0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast. Zach Blackerby here with you. Painter Sharpless of ESPN 1067 in studio today. So, really, Painter, just minutes before we started recording, Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports breaking some uh, not great news for Auburn. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. Yeah, this is from uh, Auburn Undercover. Auburn may be without its fastest receiver in the season opener against Oregon. Receiver Anthony Schwartz injured a hand in practice yesterday on Sunday during a blocking drill and will need surgery to repair at least one broken bone a source tells Auburn undercover the surgery could come as early as today many people are assuming it is today because Schwartz tweeted out this morning pray for me big day today so uh that's kind of expected and you and I were talking before there's no there's no kind of time estimate in the original report but I mean it's got to be a few weeks right Generally, I mean, I think most breaks you want to give at
2: least a month and a half, six weeks ish, depending on the severity of the break, where it is. And, you know, fingers, I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor, but like for what he's trying to do, kind of important.
1: Hands are important. You know, and I think there are some positions where you can kind of club it up, wrap it up and right. tell him to go play. You, you can't do that as a wide receiver obviously and, and
2: him as a ball carrier like he's not only going to catch passes but obviously there's a clear role for him as a runner so i i think mm-hmm. that it's it's frustrating but i mean maybe he'll be back for that Oregon game in in 3 to 4 weeks but i'd kind of expect him to be out until you know the end of the first month
1: yeah. and then he should be fine i think the goal should be and what Auburn fans should hope for until we hear another report Texas and m Texas a and a goal. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I think Auburn can take on Oregon without Anthony Schwartz. I don't know if they can against Texas A&M. So that, uh, he, he just adds so much to your offense, and not necessarily from stats. Even not when he doesn't have the input. ball. Exactly. Just because the defense, you, you have to acknowledge wherever he is that he could be running straight, and you can't just defend him with one guy in a lot of those cases. So... Obviously, uh, motion is a threat. I mean, no matter where he is on the field, you have to respect it. So Auburn's going to lose that. Uh, Eli Stove, I, I think, is going to be the guy that benefits from this re- in regards to playing time. Do you agree or disagree there?
2: Yeah, because they seem to place and fill such a similar role. And the coaches really liked Eli Stowe before that, that ACL injury. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think he just gets more, more touches in the absence of Schwartz. And there's I think the silver lining here is that Stove is is an experienced player who's shown some talent, who is athletic. He's not as fast as Schwartz, but he's a threat similar to Schwartz. But you're right. I mean, to take away a guy that is arguably the fastest player in college football, it's frustrating it's, for it's Auburn a loss fans for sure.
1: So much of being a wide receiver is chemistry with whoever's throwing you the football. I think this is another silver lining here. I mean, the majority of Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix. Their practices, and obviously, I'm sure they've done, you know, unofficial practicing, and just kind of saying, "Hey, you know, let's let's go throw some balls for a little bit." But Schwartz did not participate in spring, so the majority yeah. of the starting reps with Knicks and Gatewood that they've rotated out, reportedly, the majority of those have not involved Schwartz. So, as far as what Gatewood and Knicks are used to, they're not used to relying on Schwartz in any way, and I, I think. That's definitely the glass half full way to look sure. at it. Like you said, you know, losing the fastest player in college football is going to hurt you. You know, no, no matter what, and it's going to hurt your depth. It's going to make you know guys shuffle around, kind of uh, play in different spots than what you were expected. Maybe the scheme's a little bit different. And you and I were talking earlier. Malzahn throwing a lot of the offense at the offense this year, as far as scheme, as far as plays, as far as being prepared for for the season, which I think is good, but. Schwartz is a guy that you want to have on this team, and they'll have him just, just probably not early in the year. So uh, is there anything else you want to add to, to this topic?
2: I think we couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, it's its an obvious loss, one that shouldn't impact the team too much, and you hope that if the surgery is smooth as it should be, that by that fourth game of the year, if Auburn's 3-0 and heading to College Station, Schwartz is ready to go, gives you another threat.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so a big weekend for Auburn. And we'll jump into fall practice in just a second. You hung out there Friday. You saw about 25 minutes of that. We'll get your take on that in just a moment. But let's touch on the two uh, big recruits that Auburn got. Let's start. Let's just go in chronological order. Marco Damio is uh, he's a 6'2, 190 pound corner. He is uh, from Blinn Community College. Auburn had another Juco guy there that was pretty good. Uh, that is where <laughs> Cam Newton came from. But. Yeah, he Marco Damio, the number 2 Juco corner. I believe he's the number 5 Juco. Yeah, the number 5 overall Juco prospect. Uh, obviously a, a, a big win and the article in al.com notes that snagging a junior college defensive back makes sense for Auburn which has three seniors, Javaris Davis, Daniel Thomas, and Jeremiah Denson, expected to start in the defensive backfield. And then also Noeg Benogany, we both think he'll be in the NFL following this season. So they need some age in there. They need some experience. And this seems like the clear-cut path. And I think both sides went from this. Damio is going to be able to come in and, and play right away, assuming he is able to win the job, which I, I think he'll be favored to win that going into that season. Um, and then obviously Auburn gets a guy that, that can come in and play right away.
2: Yeah. And the the main thing here I'm focusing on is that a few weeks to a few months ago, whether it was outsiders competition, whether it was disgruntled Auburn fans, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of conversation about the recruiting and and the slow start. If my count's right, Auburn's up to 17 now. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think that coaches are starting to learn because of the transfer portal to leave a few spots open at the end of the year. Auburn may or may not do that. They probably want to highlight at least one more position, almost certainly at offensive line. But they're in a great spot because now they have a lot of guys they want. They're getting close to filling out their class before the season starts. And I think what you're going to see is Auburn now start to be more selective with the final bits and pieces and really focus on a set few players that they want at certain positions and I
1: think you could see them leave a spotter to open at the end of the year in the event they need someone to come in right away. Yeah, and so the, the 17th guy, he committed uh, following uh, following Damio. Chris Thompson Jr., a four-star defensive back from Duncanville, Texas, really surprised a lot of people with this. Announced uh, via Twitter, he put, posted a Twitter video um, on Sunday. But yeah, he's listed as the number 18 safety in the class of 2020, number 33 overall player from Texas which you take that any day of the week had offers from LSU Miami and Michigan uh, th- those are kind of the top ones and Wesley McGriff was the lead guy on his recruitment and like I said really surprised a lot of people when he chose to to play for Auburn so I was reading an article on 247 and uh, Keith Niebuhr who who's one of the best in the biz as far as following Auburn's recruiting and is recruiting nationwide he still thinks that Auburn will take three more defensive backs and he believes two of those will be corners and then one more safety. So I think that's interesting with the two that they picked up this weekend. Thompson Jr is a safety and Marco Damio a Juco safety.
2: Well, I mean I, th- I think you know you look at the defensive backs and and Auburn will will lose three and then perhaps no egg Mhm.
1: And
2: so Ma- this makes is sense. this is a position of need and and I think your point about experience is a good one. I'd I mean, I can't find anything particularly unique to say except that Auburn is hitting what appears to be guys with upside, a mixture of young talent in high school. They've gone for the offensive line in the secondary position that will be of great need next year, um, especially corner. I think safety, Auburn's actually in a pretty good spot with Sherwood and Smoke Monday. Mm-hmm. But for depth and You know, especially at the corner spot, Auburn's going to need guys both for the future and who can contribute right away. I think Auburn's coaching staff, at least from a perception standpoint, for a coach who was seemingly on the hot seat at the end of yet another season was on the hot seat last year. Yeah. Going into this season. I don't know if recruiting could be going much
1: better. Uh, I think this is a, a great looking class. You don't have really a big headliner like you did. As far as, you know... Capo, Nix. Right, Even right. Pickens to, for a long time. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, Gatewood before that was kind of generating a lot of excitement. But you have guys that you look at and you're like, okay, that's a starter. Okay, that's a starter. Okay, this guy's a starter in year two, year three. And so, when, when you have 17 of those guys, I mean, it seems like 14 of those 17 you look at and you kind of see, okay, that's, that's the path where he becomes relevant not only at Auburn but in the conference. So, uh, yeah, I think we're in agreement here. So... Yeah, seventeen commits, and and these two are the only defensive backs in this class right now that that I can think of. So, as far as them taking three more, they've got to hit the ground running with those defensive backs because because like you said, I mean Auburn is going to lose a lot of defensive back experience going into next season. I mean next year, defensive back and offensive line. I mean they will look completely different, completely different, and, and I think. You mentioned Monday and Sherwood. The writing's on the wall a little bit more as far as what defensive back, what the defensive backfield will look like, especially now with with you know getting a, a top Juco guy in Damio. But that's something to look at. I think that's definitely a, a position group that will be interesting to see a year from now. A lot of talk about turnover on the offensive line. There hasn't been as much turnover um, conversation about the defensive backfield. But I think uh, this was a huge weekend for Auburn. No doubt about it. All right, and that'll do it for the first segment of today's edition of the Locked on Auburn podcast. The next two will be joined by the perfect Monday guest, Josh Vitale of the Montgomery Advertiser. This is the Locked on Auburn podcast.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
1: Now, it's finally what people are tuning in for because Josh Vitali, of Montgomery Advertiser, joining us, the perfect Monday guest. How's it going?
3: It's going great.
1: We originally didn't think you were going to make it in because you were writing a breaking news story on a breaking hand.
3: Yeah, I didn't think I was going to make it in either. But then I wrote that story on Anthony Schwartz injuring his hand and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done in time. I should go talk to Zach and Painter about Auburn football.
1: So uh, other than the Schwartz thing, it, you didn't hear our conversation, but I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's much to add, right? You're thinking four to six months as well because you're also a doctor. Weeks.
3: Re, yeah, not, yeah, not months. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna, if he, if he does have a broken hand, that's, that seems like a timetable. That makes sense, but um, I spoke to his mother this morning. She's supposed to get back to, supposed to learn something this afternoon, so I guess we'll find out. We'll find out today, probably, what the prognosis is. How's Mrs. Schwartz? She's a very nice lady. Cool. Talked to her for a story cool. last year on Anthony. Um, is she nice. fast, too? Uh, I don't know. I would know. imagine
2: she was at one point. Like, at one point, she probably was. Yeah,
3: uh, those genetics don't come from nowhere, right? I would think so. If they raced, I would say Anthony wins. I'll I'll go on a limb. Anthony wins that race. Can you
1: ask her when she calls you back with information? Can you ask her, hey, I just had some dumb radio people ask me if you were fast like your son. I will try to do that, yes. You promise?
3: I promise. Isn't it weird
2: that, like he's in like the one percentile of fastest people on earth. Mm-hmm. There's not that many more people who are legitimately
3: faster than
1: him. Right. Like when your speed is being compared to Olympians, it's like, all right, there's the not window. a lot. Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh, upward trajectory, if you will.
3: Yeah. And he's like 19 too. He's not even like fully <laughs> Give him like, six years. Yeah. Like Usain Bolt wasn't doing that stuff at 19.
1: Would you rather be a really good fast, NFL wide receiver like Tyreek Hill, Deshaun Jackson, Ty Hilton or would you rather be an Olympic sprinter? Not like Usain Bolt, like not like the fastest, but just like you're there. You t- Okay, so that was my that was going to be my little pivot. Yeah. There was if
2: I was the best in the world, then I would stand to be Let's say you're a top 5 fastest no, human on the I'm gonna planet. I'm going
3: to be an NFL wide receiver. That's a tough question cause it would like, be- you're obviously going to get more more fame and more money for the NFL, but it's mm-hmm. probably a little you're still putting a lot of wear and tear in your body as a runner, but you're not getting hit.
2: Yeah, like the the, the health aspect of it is probably mm-hmm. going to be mostly lower body stuff for a track runner, and mm-hmm. I would imagine it's all like you can live with it, even if it's probably uncomfortable. But like being a wide receiver, you're gonna hit. You're gonna get hit hard,
3: right? But it, like I, you have brain function when you're 42. It, it would be nice to have that choice to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm looking at us in this room. None of us had that choice between nfl wide receiver or like you know world-class sprinter didn't really come up for me
1: yeah no that's that's true that's true i think the highest level decision i made was what do i want to sell things specifically insurance or talk about things on the radio and i picked Hmm. the talking option
3: that's i think that's wise yeah
2: in the comparison did you which one did you choose the track analogy then which no. one did you pick?
3: Which one was track? Which one was football? Because
2: uh, I feel like... Ooh, that's a good question. Because one's got a little more glitz and glam, but uh, I mean, I think from a, from a practicality standpoint, the insurance probably brings you more dough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I guess I went with the track option. Interesting.
2: I guess it's not flawless, though. Because right. in one scenario, in the football scenario, we were just mentioning, you probably make more money and have more fame. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not a so direct... So it's not the same... So that's a bad
1: example. My bad. Cool. I picked the NFL option then. Good. <laughs> Go football. Uh, yeah. So both of you guys watched uh, 25-ish minutes worth of of practice Friday. Hot Forty. Yeah, you I was were out there for 40 was, minutes. Yeah, I felt
2: Zach 40? it was like 25 minutes. And it was 40 I, minutes. I didn't keep up with it. That, it was more Time than like we flies were, when you're having fun though, right? That's, that's the right to way. Be to be fair, play, like so yeah. we got to see a paste drill, which is usually the, the drill, most useful thing we
3: get to see. Honestly, they always ask like, what do you guys like you want to see more? Like, we just want to see one paste drill and we're good. Just let me see a pace drill. If you, you want to see a depth chart, kind of. If
2: yeah. you could do 40 minutes of pace drills, that would be better than anything. Yeah, well, let, let's, let's, skip the,
3: let's skip the stretch and just do the yeah, pace It's like, drills. they're not
1: going to pull anything. I what like, are we doing here? I
2: like the stretches now with the music.
3: They do. Because it's it's, fun, it's a yeah. lot more fun now. Yeah, it's a little fun. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so so what stood out about the pace drill to you, Josh Vitale?
3: What stood out about the pace drill? Um, I mean, the offense looked like I mean, as far as depth chart-wise, it looked like you would expect it to look, Um, which I guess is, you know, there was no surprises, really. Marquise McLean was at split end wide receiver. Um, One thing that was interesting, I think, behind Marquise McLean was Matthew Hill at split end, and they talked a lot about him. He talked a lot about himself, about being in that Ryan Davis role, and I guess maybe he'll have to play that a little bit if Anthony Schwartz is, in fact, hurt. But they also seem to like him as that that deep threat kind of stretch the field guy on the outside. He doesn't have the height to do that really. But he has the speed and athleticism. So Was well, Farrar the
1: third guy there?
3: Uh they did not they did go into th- they didn't really go into third team. They they brought the first team back out there. Um Ferrar, I mean, I, I think they really like him, but he re- he didn't show up until late July. Yeah. So he's still kind of getting acclimated to the offense. Um Gus Malzahn said so they're installing a lot of stuff early and throwing a lot of stuff at guys, and that's kind of set him back almost a little bit just because he is so new, but they like the skill set, but it just might take a, a few practices to get him worked into what Auburn does on offense.
1: Was Marquise McClain expected to be a starter? I, I didn't think of him in that way.
3: He He was kind of the the main guy at split end uh, during spring practice. He was the guy who kind of merged Because they really don't have a, a guy at that role. I mean, they lost Darius and They didn't have a ready-made replacement for him. So Marquise McLean was the guy who kind of rose to the, the top of that position.
1: Okay, by interesting. By default, almost. And, of course, I mean, the biggest storyline, and like you said, no surprises, and I don't think this was a surprise to many people, but Joey Gatewood being the number one quarterback in this.
3: Yeah, I think the, the way I've kind of looked at it is um, – I mean, neither, neither Joey Gatewood or Bonix has experience, really. Mm-hmm. Gatewood's played one drive, Nick zero. But Gatewood has a year at Auburn. So he's the veteran of the two. Yeah. So I think that just puts him at, you know, if they're 1A and B, that makes Joey Gatewood 1A.
2: Again, going back to almost a default. It's like yes. He he has an upper hand just because he got there a year early.
3: Yeah. Basically, the way the way I've looked at it is I think if if all things are even in the quarterback competition and they're perfectly at the same level, Joey Gatewood starts because he has a year of experience. I think Bo has to beat Joey to win the job. Who who was the second running back? Uh, it was Jarvis Whitlow first team, Cam Martin second team, which is what you'd expect.
1: I think Cam Martin's going to get more touches than Sean Shivers, and I don't think that's the right move.
3: I think you're probably right about that. Um, I do think they're going to use Cam smarter this year. I think last year they tried to make him at the, at the start, they tried to see if he could be a feature running back, and they found out pretty quickly he can't. That's not his role. I think they're going to commit to him being what he was his first year. He is the change of pace, he is the speed back.
1: I just don't think he's reliable in the passing game. And I think when you think of change of pace back, you think about third down back. The guy you put in on third and 10, and I don't think that fits him.
3: I don't think you'll see him on third downs much. I don't think that'll be his role. Um, I think what you're thinking about, like, that that makes sense to me, but I don't think Auburn uses change of pace that okay, way. That,
1: that's not what you mean when you say change of pace. Uh,
3: like, you have Whitlow out for a series and have a, a, a back that comes in and is just a different kind of back yeah. than your Tarvis Whitlow. He's not your feature back. He's a guy who's going to get him and maybe get eight, nine, ten carries, but he's your he's just he's a different look at running back. I think if you're looking for a guy who is going to do more in the passing game and be more of a a gadget type running back if you want to say i think that would be shivers but
1: where does shivers play into this offense now that anthony schwartz is out for a few weeks we assume
3: i don't know i don't know if schwartz's injury changes what shivers role would be i think shivers role was going to be shivers role regardless um he's obviously incredibly explosive um he's different because he's five foot seven That's probably a generous height listing um they can do a ton of different stuff with him um i think you'll see him a lot i don't think I don't think he's really a pure like Jatarvis Whitlow and Cam Martin are to me running backs. They're guys you're going to you can hand the ball off to double the times. I don't think Shivers is going to be used that way. I think Shivers is a is kind of a gadget running back who you're going to try to find ways to put the ball in his hands where he can make explosive plays. Um, I think he really fits that because the kid is an incredible
0: athlete. You're listening to the Locked On
1: Auburn podcast. So at the time of recording this on a Monday morning, tomorrow is the first day of pads. What do you expect to see from this, uh, both of you guys? I mean, uh, you'll get 20 minutes, maybe 45 again. That'd be great, but but we'll we'll see. But what do you expect to see on the first day of pads? What do you think the storylines following that practice will look like after you talk to uh, head coach Gus Malzahn?
2: I don't think we're going to get anything I useful.
3: Think, I think Painter's
1: right. I don't think yeah. we're going to know anything. I I think that... But you still have to write a story, right? You still have to have a show, right? So I mean, what, what's, what's the topic you pull out if you had to predict it?
2: Optimism because there's yeah. more depth
1: <laughs> and experience at almost every
2: position. And it's been the same thing we've talked about since yeah, May. They'll okay. be
3: excited to hit each other a little bit. Yeah, I guess that's always and we will players like doing that.
2: We will get some sliver of information might not be it would almost certainly won't be on the record. But some news will come out about who played well. Yeah. And, right. and so I think like, you know, but again, it's hard to really run with that because it's it's like just because you heard through the grapevine or maybe you talked to somebody. It's like, uh.
3: yeah, because everyone you're talking to that's in that bubble.
2: Say they're not going
3: things. to, yeah. They're not going to say, "Oh man, that guy had a really terrible practice." And be like, no man, this dude looked great. This dude looked great. This dude looked great. They're not, the guy who had a bad practice, you're not no going to hear about him because mm-hmm. the guy who's in there is works for Auburn, probably. Right. So,
1: have you heard anything about why they're having a scrimmage on a Thursday, just two days after they go? They're going full pads.
3: Uh, well, I mean, I know they want to get the first scrimmage in early because the first scrimmage is so big for. For what this team—it's normally Saturday, evaluation, it, right? Yeah, I think what has changed this year, um, and it came out a few weeks ago. Um, Auburn is inviting for, former Letterman to watch scrimmages. If the if they sign up and register, they can go watch scrimmages. And my personal feeling—I don't know this—is what are you true, doing not,
2: on a Thursday,
1: Josh?
3: My personal feeling is that <laughs> because they're inviting players back to watch, I think Gus said, "Let's do these on." thursday and wednesdays and not saturdays because some of those lettermen have, can't know, jobs. have jobs they have to go to that's my personal thing don't know if that's true or not but it kind of fits can't former players typically go to these though that's not certain a certain thing. one okay. certain ones yeah um they gus is very i mean we, we've all talked about gus in the show a million times he's very kind of guarded doesn't want too many people to see what he's doing even though just, but a we saw this that.
1: new energetic Gus at SEC Media Days.
3: He wants to show people his heart, and by people he means just his players in the room. The doors closed, and no one else outside can come in.
1: Yeah, at the top of the show, we were talking about recruiting, and you know, Zahn, Even with with his job on the line, he's putting together a stellar a really class. class. Yeah, and it's just
3: as a guy, I just have a hard time picturing him being cool. Do you know what I mean? My 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 dream story, and this will <laughs> this will never happen. I will never write this story. You can still have dreams, though. I have dreams, and my dream story is to go on a recruiting visit with Gus Malzahn, but have no one know that I'm there. Mm-hmm. I just want to like literally be a fly in the wall and just see how he interacts with a parent and a player in that person's home. Because, I bet it would blow us away, man. Oh, I I don't think we can imagine. But I mean, obviously, I mean, players love him. Parents love him enough to send their kids here. Coaches and staff members love him enough to come work for him. Like, people love Gus Malzahn. <laughs> yeah. We just don't, he just doesn't put that face on for the public, for reporters. I just don't think that's not, I don't think that's him hiding himself. I just think that's his personality. I he's think he's genuinely uncomfortable. He's an introvert. Yeah. But when it comes to recruiting a player to come to football for Auburn, he's obviously good at it Which because you've seen the classes he's put m- together.
2: More one on one relation building. Yes. Or, he's in a situation when he's with a group of a dozen commits at a picnic at his house or whatever we're calling that. Like it's a more comfortable setting setting than sinetting sinetting. Thank Mm -hmm. you. It's a, Uh, it's a recruiting term. Yeah. But it, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, but like getting up in front of a podium is sort yeah. of like if you've ever given a speech class your freshman year or whatever in college, like there's this sort of rigidity like feeling to it. And, and it, yeah. you know, it's just not natural.
3: Well, when he's doing that, he's he's like if when he stands at a podium or he talks to donors, he's not Gus Malzon football coach. He's Gus Malzahn ambassador to the program, like yeah. face of the program. When he's talking to a recruit he's just he's just a high school football coach again just saying hey i want you to come play for me i think you can do this for my team right i think that's just that takes him back a little bit to what he was when he started in this business just just a just a football coach
2: i just made up another word after making up one snedding. previously snedding and then i said rigidity instead of rigid i, I
3: love think, it i think rigidity is a word
2: is it the journal says so. It's a. Did I stumble upon it? Was I trying I to say it in my subconscious Even if it's not,
1: like we all know what you meant.
3: I got you.
2: See how many how many words could I go through in a show
1: getting the word just close enough <laughs> to the word I intended, and you guys being like, well, it's close <laughs> that enough. That seems like a fun game. To yeah, play. tweet at us if you think rigidity is a word or not. Say. We want to hear it. at paint sharpless at, at E. blackerby pole. at josh vitali. Uh, nor- normally, I like to end the show with a couple of uh news news bits, and we kind of touched on all the news bits except for one. Not a big deal, but former Auburn defensive tackle, John Tavius Johnson, uh, he was committed to Colorado, and uh, he's now at UAB. You looked it up. Is it a word? It's a word. The, it's,
3: right, it's, the it's the inability to be bent or be forced out of shape. Virginity. I said it
2: with such hesitancy that I convinced myself it wasn't a word. It's one of those times Be where more confident, man. It, man. Own and it. it's a good reminder, don't use words you don't know what the meaning is
1: or at least be sure that you know it exists. That's the beauty of radio, though. You just kind of say what comes to mind.
3: Google define <laughs> is your friend.
1: Right. We love it. Absolutely. Josh Vitali of the Montgomery Advertiser. Where can people find your stuff, bro?
3: Online at montgomeryadvertiser.com and on the Twitter at josh vitali
1: awesome thank you so much the perfect monday guest hanging out with us follow painter on twitter at paint sharpless hear him every day from 11 to 1 on espn 1067 and you can listen anywhere to him at espnau.com and we will see you tomorrow you can follow me on twitter at z blackerby this has been another edition of the locked on auburn podcast <laughs>